You're listening to Tatiana Is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And if you are new to the show, this is not a spoiler-free podcast. Even though we are primarily discussing episode two, Instinct, we will be discussing it in the context of the entire first season. So if you have not seen the first 10 episodes, just beware that there are spoilers ahead. And as Stephanie just mentioned, we are talking about the second episode of the first season, titled Instinct. And a lot of stuff happened in this episode, but it's one of those things that moves along pretty fast, I think. Yeah, I I think we've we've talked about before how Chris w- watched the series as it aired pretty much uh, back, you know, last year in in 2013 when the, when it first aired on on BBC America. Yes, I suffered through the weekly waits. Right, but I didn't. I I borrowed her DVDs after they had come out and I watched all 10 episodes over the course of 2 days. And so not and I'm really this time as we're going back through these episodes, I'm making myself just watch them one at a time so that I don't talk too much about what happens next episode and that I really have a good clear picture of just what happens in a particular episode. And I got to say, it was really difficult when I got to the end of this episode not to go immediately into episode three. So if it was your intention, Chris, to make me suffer like you suffered, it's kind of working. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha ha. Is that a sufficiently evil laugh? I think so. It was pretty good. Okay. Last week was not that bad but this week in particular was 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 difficult probably because i love kasima and of course she doesn't really pop up until the very end we hear her on the phone but we don't actually get to see her until the very end of the episode right well i think last episode's sort of cliffhanger is a much easier stopping place just because you feel like you need to sort of recover from it right plus it's kind of the end of a scene, if that makes sense. Whereas this episode really begins kind of in the middle of something. Because, you know, Sarah just got here and she hasn't actually talked to Beth yet. And here's this other woman. It's like, wait, I have to wait to see who... What is going on? Yeah. You mean talk to Allison and Kasima? What did I say, Beth? You said Beth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Which is... That would be a different show. That would be a different show. Um, I think it was called Medium. It was actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> Medium was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I bet, I bet uh, Allison and Kasima, excuse me. But yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. As you say, last episode ended sort of at the close of a scene. But this episode begins right where that one le- leaves off. So, So we start off with... Sarah basically having to deal with Katya's body and also escaping the person shooting at her. And I actually really like the scene we get by the side of the road with Sarah talking on the phone to Kasima. And I didn't really think about this the first couple of times I watched it, but the fact that Sarah waits to pick up the phone until Katya had just been killed actually works out in her favor because even if she's not quite nailing Beth, it could be explained away by the fact that this really horrible thing just happened. And while, of course, you know, Paul, because like Paul gets, you know, susses on pretty quickly that Beth is acting weird. And I think Kasima probably would, would, would maybe be in a position as well. But because Sarah was, had a legitimate reason to be like kind of out of sorts, it, I think it worked in her favor a bit to fleece Kasima along for a while. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it, but but yeah, that makes sense. Because she, at a couple of she points... She actually say... Well, she says... Kasima says something 
along the lines of what when yeah when sarah posing as beth still says bloody something exactly if you if you watch that scene her accent slips a couple of times and her her british accent comes in but because she's so upset it's kind of it works okay in her favor <laughs> though i guess At she the could at least isn't isn't as bad as it would be exactly otherwise. exactly but i guess you could say if if katja had not been killed sarah would have been more together on the phone call so yeah maybe my argument's not great but I'll take yeah, that part i was just out. gonna say that <laughs> Well, no, I mean, the the point still stands that any, not necessarily accent, but any odd behavior, I think, would be, you know, forgetfulness or, or whatever could be explained away that way. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. But I really do like how Tatiana Maslany plays Sarah's reaction to Katya, because I feel like oftentimes on, on television shows, People don't quite react to dead bodies the way that they should. But, you know, we, we see Sarah several times feel like she's going to be physically ill from having a dead woman in the back of her car. And especially given that she was there when she got shot, I, I feel like Tatiana did a really good job playing how traumatic that would be. Yeah, you're you're right. Uh, again, something I hadn't really thought about. But, of course, I think most of the other shows that regularly have dead bodies are cop shows or whatever so cop shows or medical shows so it's true though i do watch quite a few amateur detective shows and i always feel like the amateur detectives should be more surprised by dead bodies though i guess if you're jessica fletcher and everywhere you go there's a dead body you do get used to it after a while (laughs) that's all i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) but yes i i appreciate that too that sarah is I mean, it, it's it's essentially a it's a featured thing that Sarah is bothered by this because you know if you're a normal human being, why would you not be? <laughs> and it might also help for people who were maybe turned off by Sarah being such an antihero in the first episode. It might also help to communicate to the audience that okay, Sarah might rob a body, she might do this and sleep with this person's boyfriend to rob them. But she's disturbed by people getting killed. This is not something that's usual for her. Right. She's a con woman. She's not a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> like so many other anti-heroes on television these days. So, of course, we get the, the, the we don't know it's Kasima yet, but we do get the great line from Kasima when she's on the phone with Sarah. You're the cop. Like, buy a shovel <laughs> to, you know, her suggestion as to what she needs to do and i like that she did seem to go buy a shovel it when we see the the close-up on the shovel at when she pulls it out of the trunk later it looks like it has a price sticker on it but here's my issue how did she get that shovel then if it is new because i mean there's blood on her that she had to go wash up when she got to felix's and she had to wash out the car at the car wash later you know, there was blood all over the interior of the car. There are bullet holes in the windows. Did nobody notice that when she went to the hardware store to buy a shovel? It's a good question. The only thing I can sort of explain in my head, my head cannon can be, she parked the car somewhere not very noticeable and put on a jacket to cover up her bloody self. But that's all I she got. She bought it in a bad part of town. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, nobody questioned it. Some stores, they may not be all that surprised somebody come in covered with blood wanting a shovel. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. But, you know. Oh, dear. 
when Sarah's burying Katja's body, she takes a moment before she pushes Katja into the, the grave where she takes stuff out of her pockets. And as I was watching it this time, I thought, this is like the second time in as many episodes we see Sarah robbing a body. But, you know, I mentioned when we were talking about the the, the pilot episode, the premiere episode, I think even though Sarah was after money in that moment, she was also motivated by curiosity, given that Beth looks so much like her. But this time, when she's when she's digging through Katja's pockets, I feel like it's 100% curiosity. She's not trying to take money off of this woman. She's just like, what the heck is going on? I need some answers. Right. And I mean, that's after she talked to Kasima too. Kasima who was demanding the briefcase and all this stuff. I mean, the mystery level has really stepped up by this point. So... Why wouldn't you go looking for answers on a dead body if need be? Right. You know, I think to some extent, you know, if there's one twin, that's one thing. But if there's a triplet, that's kind of weird, right? Like a an unknown twin is one thing, but two. And especially since one of them is German and Sarah is British and Beth was Canadian. It starts like, how did we end up in three different countries if we're actually related? It just gets more and more weird, I guess, to from Sarah's perspective. Right. And especially since there seems to be some sort of like passphrase now. Mm-hmm. Something is up clearly by this point, like something really weird is going on. So I do agree that that's, it's a more justifiable body robbing. There's a sentence I never thought I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> And it doesn't seem like she actually gets much money off of, of Katya. We see sort of the contents of her pockets later. It looks like she had maybe a bill or so, but she she mainly she just got room keys and ID. Mm-hmm. But um, I was thinking when, <laughs> whenever Sarah's cleaning out Beth's car, first of all, I was like, that was a smart idea to go to a car wash. I don't know that I would have thought to use a car wash on the interior of my car, but it's super lucky that Beth's car had leather seats and she could do that. <laughs> so... Watching this with my dad, Sarah's at the car wash, hosing out the inside. My dad's just like, nah, that car's wrecked. (laughs) My dad, who is very into cars, by the way. It was pretty funny. (laughs) My dad's just like, no. (laughs) I have thought to myself a couple of times, though, do you think, because we see Sarah calling a glass repair place to make an appointment, and I wonder if Sarah maybe broke out more of the windshield before she took it in because those were clearly bullet holes. I was I always wonder about that too. Not not that she would have broken more of the windows, although that's a really good explanation, but but that's always my thought is if she's trying to cover this, why would you go, you know, in with really obvious bullet holes? And and there's still bullet holes in the interior, right? Yeah, it's true, but with the the glass repair people they maybe wouldn't look at the back seat as much if they're working in the front. Who knows? But I think it would. She kind of would stick out though if she just drove around with even busted out, completely busted out windows. That's not really a good permanent solution to not replace them ever. But I mean, you know, you can't say that you had a piece of gravel crack your windshield. I mean, it's a really noticeable bullet wound or bullet yeah. hole, not bullet yeah. wound. The glass is wounded. No, I, I, that's why I'm wondering if maybe she broke out more of the glass. That's what I think I would have done. Because <laughs> I, I don't think, 
maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, Canadians. You know, in the United States, if if you show up at a hospital with a gunshot wound, hospitals are required to report such things. I don't know if glass companies are, but (laughs) you are sort of inviting questions when you show up with a vehicle that clearly had a couple of of bullet holes in the glass. She she called an auto glass repair place that's in the same part of town that she bought the the shovel. the hardware store. That's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's the only possible explanation. (laughs) Sarah knows shady people. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that totally makes sense to me. (laughs) One of my favorite parts of the... Actually, rewatching this episode just by itself, I'm like, you know, this is a really good episode. This might be one of my favorite episodes of the series so far. And part of the reason I love it so much is I love, I love Sarah posing as Katya to go to the hotel. Do do you love it? I love it. I love it, too. Let's be honest. First of all, the German version of These Boots Are Made for Walkin, we've talked about this before. It's one of the greatest musical cues I can actually think of in television. Not that I'm overstating. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, though. It's one of my favorite musical cues that I've seen in a television show. I thought it was really well picked and, and used. So you've got that fantastic music choice leading you into this scene. And then I just love Sarah trying to play it cool with the desk clerk and probably, you know, I think he's like a security guy. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. just, I just love the, you know, her reason for why her room got so trashed was, you know, rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) I think my favorite part of that whole scene is when she hands the 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 ticket for the briefcase mm-hmm. and my briefcase <laughs> and she just hands it to the without even looking at him just sort of holds it up to the security guy mm-hmm. like a badass i also love the security guy's reaction where he's like you broke the sink what the heck is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> because that really just makes me wonder how she broke a sink how helena broke the sink i have ideas but I just like that image of of the sink of her having broken the sink for some reason. Again, she's not that big. Like, what did she possibly do? <laughs> Maybe she was trying to break into some some luggage or something, and was pulling a Sarah trying to bash the thing, bash the briefcase on the the cement divider thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe she was using the sink for similar purposes. Mm. I don't know. I totally just came up with it. I like it though. right now. I like it. It's the only thing I can possibly think of. Because probably by that point, would you would you assume that, that Katja was probably dead at that point? Or do you think Helena trashed her room prior to killing Katja? I honestly hadn't thought about it before. But yeah, it makes sense that she would have done it after she killed her. Because I guess I always assume she trashed the room looking for clues to more clones. So it makes sense to me that she would have been tracking Katja. I think she was looking for the briefcase. Would she have known about the briefcase? Well, to me, the implication was that she had been following Katya, so she probably knew that Katya was collecting the information for Kasima, and entirely possible that she had seen the briefcase, right? I mean, she I knew where so. she was staying. Yeah, it's possible. I just... um but I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, she was looking for clues for more clones, which could have been the briefcase. It could have been something else. And I just, I feel like, logically speaking, granted, I'm not a, you know, I'm not Helena. Um, <laughs> but I would track my my prey and eliminate the prey first before getting 
going over here and trashing a hotel room. But that's just, I don't know. Right. I don't know that my logic actually applies in this circumstance, but I'm trying. <laughs> well, but we know that she tracked Katya to the meeting with Beth. Mm-hmm. And that she tried to kill Beth, too. So, yeah. Yeah, it does seem likely that she ha- would have been following Katya since she knew where Katya was staying, too. So this episode, we get a couple of little clues about Katya that are kind of intrigued me. Uh, first of all, being the, the credit card, which maybe this I'm a weirdo for being intrigued by a credit card. But it does make me wonder about Katya's background that she had room on her credit card for a $6,000 plus bill, not just anybody has that type of, of credit card. And so it kind of made me wonder what type of, you know, what, what type of profession she might pursue and, and things like that. And then the other thing that was, of course, intriguing was the briefcase and how she managed to get all of this information on the other clones in Europe. To be fair, they're Canadian dollars. Well, that's still a lot of money, Chris. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> but yes, it, yeah, it's, or is that 6,000 American or Canadian? <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I obviously I don't know either, but I, I think I've seen speculation somewhere on the internet at some point that maybe Katya was sort of like, not necessarily an heiress, but that she she came from a family with money or something. And I don't know. But I think the really the probably the more interesting piece is, is the briefcase, because I really wonder how Katya got in contact with all the other Euro clones and how did they suss out that the clones were being killed in Europe? Right. And then how did she find Beth? How did she make contact with Beth? Hopefully we'll find out. Coupled with the credit card thing, it, it would make sense that maybe Katya was the the Allison of the Euro clones. She was kind of bankrolling things. Maybe she could hire a private investigator and that's how she found out uh, found um Beth. Right. Since it does seem that she had the means and opportunity to find them all and and gather their their information and and bring it to Kasima and Allison and Beth. Right. Ah, uh, speculation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're going to get any more background information about Katya, but I am curious about her still. Mm-hmm. Well, and we have all the other Euro clones to possibly show up at some point in the future. So maybe maybe we can get some more background on what was going on pre-series, so... Here's hoping, right? Yeah. Oh, this show has so much ground to cover, if it wants to. And then, of course, in this episode, we we meet a couple of other clones, Kasima briefly at the end, and but then we get a little more screen time with Allison. And I just absolutely love Sarah's reaction to when she sees Allison come out of the minivan. It is an excellent reaction. The the sheer horror of it. And it's kind of like, you know, Sarah, you have a kid too. <laughs> but Sarah is not a soccer mom. That is the humiliating part. No, I know. <laughs> Actually, I think one of my favorite parts about the whole soccer the whole soccer mom situation is when she's talking to Felix later. And she says that Allison is a soccer mom. But the way she says soccer mom, she actually says it in Allison's voice. And it cracks me up. Yeah, she drops her. Well, she, yeah, she drops her British accent. She says it the way that Allison would, would say it. I, I really like that moment, too. So the scene between Allison and, and Sarah is where we first see clone contact, as in one of the clones touches one of the other clones. Which, obviously, within the, the context of, of the 
world itself shouldn't be a big deal, but we as the viewers know that takes some some technical stuff going on in the background to have Tatiana Maslany be able to touch Tatiana Maslany. Yes. And they did show a bit of how they did that in one of the features that comes on the DVD, I believe. And I think what looks like they did was they put some sort of uh, it looked like a metal pole of some so- of some kind near the wall for Tatiana to rest her hand on as Allison. Yeah, to sh- sort of shove against. Right. So that would be sort of, that would be Sarah's shoulder, and then they combined the two shots and had Sarah was then covering up where the pole would have been in in the shot of of Allison. And it was kind of interesting too watching. Watching again, you can sort of tell some of the over-the-shoulder shots that Allison is actually in those shots being played by Catherine Alexander, who's who's the double for Tatiana Maslany. Because I'm a nerd and I can I pay attention to such things. <laughs> I'm also a nerd, and when because I, I do try to pay attention to to how they do shots and stuff, but I I watching this not that they don't do it seamlessly. This is by no means a criticism of the show, but as I was watching the end scene where. Kasima comes out of the the little craft room, the craft room of terror. You see how Allison is standing more toward the door, but then she shifts backward a bit for Kasima to come to the door. She didn't really need to do that. There was plenty of room for Kasima, but I was as I was watching, I was like, that sure made it easier to combine the shots because then they didn't have they ha- there was little possibility that those you know Tatiana would be overlapping Tatiana. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the confrontation with Allison, I found it immediately intriguing how hostile Allison was to Sarah. I think what's sort of interesting is how little Allison reacts to it. Mm -hmm. Because you'd kind of expect more of a panic or something. But instead, she just sort of is mad about it and, you know grabs the knife that she'd been slicing oranges with and starts muttering to herself. And I don't know, it's it's an interesting reaction. An unexpected reaction, I should say. But it's much like Beth in the first episode, who has basically no reaction to turning and seeing Sarah. Granted, Beth was in a very extreme emotional state at that moment. But you're right, you know, it is kind of odd that she it's not like a who are you or oh my gosh another one anything like that it's just sort of this beleaguered of course there's yet another version of me well it's one of those things i think i can rationalize beth's reaction yes partly that she is sort of resigned to the whole thing but i still think that maybe beth knew about sarah since she'd run the run the the picture through facial recognition or whatever. And I mean, Sarah has a record. I, I I doubt that Beth didn't know about Sarah specifically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Also, there are indications that it's entirely possible that Beth had been on some combination of drugs and liquor or something. Right. But Allison, especially since we're now more familiar with Allison, having seen the entire series several times... It's sort of more surprising to me that we don't see more of a reaction from Allison. I guess perhaps what caused her, this is obviously just me speculating, but maybe why she doesn't react more strongly is at that point, Sarah had revealed herself not to be Beth on the phone to Kasima. And Kasima's smart. True. You know, she could maybe suss out 
if maybe she wouldn't know for sure there was another clone, but I think it would not be up beyond the realm of possibility that Cosima might suggest there might be another one of us out there in the area. So that's a good point. I accept your your speculation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so one of the lines I was struck by when in when I was rewatching the episode this time was that when when Sarah asks Beth, what are we to each other? Allison, I said it again. <laughs> when Sarah asks Allison, what are we to each other? Allison reply, replies kind of like this, no, I'm not going to tell you. That's not my responsibility. But as we know, if, from, if you've seen the next episode, which hopefully you have, because I'm about to give you a spoiler, Allison is the one who ends up spilling the whole clone thing to Sarah anyway. Right. Well, I think there's just... In this episode and in the next episode, I think Allison's just kind of over it, you know? Right. I think is really what we're what we're seeing. Right. I do really like when she starts talking to God, asking why this has befallen her in this episode. It's the giant kick me sign on her back, clearly. Mm-hmm. Clearly. And of course we've got the great scene of, of Allison on the phone with Sarah, you know, telling her to come meet her at her house after her kids go to bed and the whole time she's like angrily clipping coupons and as somebody who clips coupons i love that she has the coupon organizer that she does i just have sort of like a a a wallet-sized accordion file but i love that she has such this organized neat binder of of coupons it's very allison are you going to take a cue from allison and eventually organize your coupons that way probably not that takes up a lot of space (laughs) okay but it's like it's not a bad idea it isn't. I actually know some people who use the little sheets that you can store baseball cards in. They use those for coupons. Mm, mm-hmm. Similar idea, but Allison has more space, so she can really fit the entire coupon in there, and you can really see it well. So hers right. is probably better because she's Allison, and she would organize the best. You're just you're very organized, and I wondered. I wondered if that was a goal of yours to become as organized as Allison was. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Not while living in an apartment, though. I don't have space for a binder. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So the, the, the show likes to do this. They like to have clone the clones say the same line, often within the same episode, but often also spread out over several. And in this episode, we see both Sarah and Allison have the same reaction to somebody touching them when they're really upset, where they, you know, just pull their arm away and say, don't touch me. Sarah says it to Paul. And then... Allison says it later to Sarah. They they do that later in the season too with the repeated sort of hanging up of the phone followed by bitch, which Sarah actually does in this episode, not not with the phone hanging up, but Allison leaves the shed and upon the door shutting, she she goes bitch. And of course we see that in the first episode and then there's a later episode we see Kasima do it too after Sarah doesn't. But yes, there's a lot of sort of the the clones echoing some behavior or some phrasing or some line or something. Yeah, it's it's I think a nice touch because they mostly are very different personality wise. But I, I like when they throw in these little similarities between all of them or some of them. Right. It's not just nurture; it's nature too. <laughs> and then, of course, one of the big things uh you know the big thing that this episode ends on is here we have yet another clone in Kasima who walks on screen and she just says in this episode hi i'm Kasima 
on screen. Obviously, we heard her earlier on the phone. But I remember when I first saw this episode, she just walked out and she said that line. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this character. (laughs) I I think part of it, I suspect, is that, you know, here, this is the fourth clone we've met, or the fourth non-Sarah clone we've met. And this is the friendliest greeting she's gotten. Yeah. (laughs) True facts, man. Because, yeah, I mean, everything, every other introduction has just been, been fraught, you know? And Kasima's just kind of like, whatever, hi. <laughs> yeah, because while Kacha was not unfriendly, she was very emotional and, and, and insistent, and it was a very difficult I was going to say, there's, greeting. There's urgency in that yeah, meeting. Exactly. But here it's just like, hey, I'm Kasima. Hi. <laughs> and she's also just so physically different in appearance than the other clones. That it it was it's kind of very apparent, like oh this this clone's a little bit different from from the ones we've seen so far, and less, I think less uh, fraught, right? And she's smiling, which is another another big thing. I don't I, I don't think there's been much smiling aside from Sarah when she just pulled something off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Tatiana Slani has a very charming smile, so it's nice when it comes out to play. Indeed. So Sarah dealing with the clone stuff is sort of one of the was one of the big threads of this of this episode. But we also have Sarah having to be Beth again in this episode to a lesser extent, and we have Art again being inconsistent and driving me crazy. At least he's consistent about being His inconsistent to you. Because you have him be like sort of at the height of of his really hard ass meanie head ness in. The scene at at Fung's in the diner where he's grabbing Sarah's arm and saying, "Are you wearing a wire?" and 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 then he's kind of sweet after the after the the hearing where he's when she asks him why he has to be such a hard ass and he says, "You know, that's your favorite thing about me." And then he's a hard ass meanie head again, and I just wish he was more consistent. I still think it's all part of their weird relationship. I apparently am an art defender. You're an art defender, which is fine. We don't have to agree on everything. It's just... <laughs> and then Stephanie says, friendship over. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging up this call right now. <sighs> I like Art better later in the season, but in this part of the season, he's inconsistent and he drives me crazy. <laughs> I understand that, but I still think it's just sort of a reaction to Beth being inconsistent, or what I suspect was being inconsistent, if that makes sense. That's a fair interpretation. I I will give you that. Because seriously, Beth had some stuff going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I guess the thing that I really don't like that I kind of wish they'd taken out is I don't like when Art says something about covering for Beth's tweaker ass. I don't like that line. That really, to me, contradicts how caring he can be toward Beth at times. I, I, I wish they had taken that little bit out, at least. But that's me. I do understand that. But at the same time, there's all that, you know, you haven't called me a... What was the phrase? Dipshit, I believe, or something like that. Okay. In, from the first episode. You haven't mm-hmm. called me a whatever it was all day. So yeah, I mean, I think, at least in my mind, I'm I'm sort of rationalizing a lot of it away as their weird affectionate name-calling jerkiness to each other. Yeah, it's just that Kevin Hanter is just very angry when he says that line, so it doesn't feel affectionate to me. 
That is true. So that's my 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 one big wish is that they'd taken out the the tweaker ass comment. So I I think that I don't love this moment quite as much as I love Sarah drinking the soap, but I do really love Sarah blackmailing Doctor Bauer with all of the prescriptions that she wrote for Beth. It's a I always feel like very in love with Sarah right after she she kind of puts the needle to Doctor Bauer. Mm-hmm. It's like oh no, Sarah's totally calling her out, <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of beautiful, <laughs> and just the way that I don't know just. Her whole, just her expression at the end of that scene where she, where she, uh, it just, I don't know, it makes me really love Sarah in that moment for some reason. I can't really explain it, but I, I do really like that moment as a, you know, revelatory of how smart Sarah can be. Right. And I think I actually like the scene better, like really, really paying attention to the entire scene. She starts off, she, she tries to play it normally. Like she, Mm-hmm. actually tries to give the right answers and everything. And when that doesn't work, she's like, okay, <laughs> the gloves are off. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, clearly she had multiple plans in place. She's like, plan one, I'm going to see if I can trick the shrink into thinking I'm actually okay again. You know, plan two, I've got blackmail. Because why wouldn't that be your plan two? If it was so, I mean, she, it was pretty easy to blackmail her, quite frankly. Did no, you I see know. Beth's cupboard? I know. Too That's... many prescriptions. <laughs> I, I like that Sarah has that reaction to when she sees it in the first episode. It's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> That's a little alarming. And I think Sarah also in that moment knew that if she did have to pull the blackmail card, then there was ample evidence to actually back it up. It was a pretty solid plan. Right. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, that's. That's something with a paper trail, you know? Mm-hmm. And physical evidence. So there wasn't much Paul in this episode. There's just the brief scene between Paul and Sarah, which <laughs> I do like how... Actually, it made, it reminded me, I guess we have a couple times in this episode with Sarah making very pointed comments about the fact that she's not who people think she is. Mm-hmm. We have we have with Paul where he says something like, are, are we going through this again or something like that? And she says, you know, trust me, Paul, we've never been here before. And then we have when she's pretending to be Katja, the, the desk clerk asks her how the city, how she's enjoying the city, and she says it's killing me. Oh, dear. So we have Sarah kind of having a little fun with pretending to be other people. Yeah, I think there was, wasn't the line something about, you know, we've been here before, and then she's so, trust me, we really haven't. Really haven't, yeah, yeah. But, you know, seeing the scene, I was like, why would Paul, if he's a monitor, knowing Paul's a monitor now, why would he voluntarily leave the person he's supposed to be monitoring? It's a plot device. No, I I actually think <laughs> what it is, or at least the only, here's here's my rationalizing it away, as as is my way. As is your way. I think maybe this is also part of the plan, or at least it could be part of... Because we we think there's a social element to the experiment, right? Or a psychological right. element. Mm-hmm. So it could be partly a see what she does when no one is there, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Because it would make... He says he's going to... I believe his friend's name is Cody or something. He says, I'm going to Cody's again. Mm-hmm. Which implies that he had left and left her on her own before. Right. And 
that would make sense to me. Like if they were fighting or something like that and, and Beth asked him to leave or Sarah asked him to leave in this case, but he just kind of volunteers. It's, it's strange to me that he volunteers, I guess. Right. Again, unless, you know, Olivier had told him to go, you know, leave her alone for a few days and see what she does. Or, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just the later meeting with Olivier makes it seem like they hadn't met for a while. So it seems it would, that's why I have trouble jumping on your rationalization. I want to jump on there with you. I really do. But <laughs> there are other little plot pieces that are making me hesitate. I know. I'm just making crap up. <laughs> As is my way. For me, at least, what this episode does really well is cement the relationship between Sarah and Felix. Mm hmm. We got a sense of it in the first episode, but I feel like it really gels in this one. Right. And it is one of those things. I think that relationship is so central to the show, to the the foundation of everything in the show, that they really needed to do it in the first couple episodes. So so they did. I mean, obviously. And they just, you know, Sarah and Felix, they have so many great little moments between the two of them. I really like when she's barring his clothes to pretend to be Katya and she asks, you know, can I borrow this? And Felix is all, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then tells her that she looks hot. <laughs> but I, th I think probably the scene that I felt was the most revealing about their relationship is when Sarah throws her really angry tantrum mm -hmm. when she realizes that Art took the money. Right. That is, a, it, it's a good scene. And it is one of those things. It, it's so interesting how it plays out because Sarah just goes into full-on rage mode, and Felix just kind of sits there. It's clear she's done this before, and he just sort of knows she has to get it out of her system or whatever, and he just sort of sits back and, and watches it happen until she's about to go after one of his paintings. And he puts his foot down, and she just, like, immediately drops her tantrum. Like, it just, it just stops. Right, because Felix... Like you said, he he seems to know she just needs to do this, needs to get it out. He makes some, like, comments of, you don't need to do that, but he doesn't try to physically restrain her or anything like right. that. And then you can tell that even though, you know, Sarah's throwing a fit, she loves Felix enough, she has enough respect for Felix that when he says, no, not that, she will stop herself. She does actually respect his boundaries, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So even though we see her kind of use Felix and get her, get him to do stuff for her, I, I feel like there's that in particular shows the respect and the love that Sarah does have for Felix. Right. So why do you think the thing that always is weird to me is that Sarah doesn't tell Felix about Katya. She eventually admits at the end of the episode that Katya is dead, but she doesn't tell Felix that she was shot and what happened at the end of the first episode. Why do you think she keeps that information from Felix? I think she's playing big sister and trying to keep him from worrying. That's kind of my take on it too. Is that yeah, she was she was she thought he would be too worried about her and that's why she didn't tell him. Mhm. Mm Cuz you know, I really just want to see her sit down and tell Felix everything because clearly a lot of weird stuff is happening around her and she's very curious about stuff. And she obviously trusts Felix. So that's really the only motivation that really makes sense to me is that she's trying to protect him in some way. Well, and as we see in the next episode, I mean, we know to what extent Sarah is protective of Felix. So mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It, yeah. It, stepping in front of a god to, to protect him. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's the most the most logical conclusion is that she's just trying to protect him, essentially. Right. Because Katya was shot and she has no idea why. And so... And the person who shot Katya was clearly still shooting at her, too. I mean, she was... Mm-hmm. She drove away while being shot at, so... Yeah, which is why I think she is hesitant to just tell Felix everything about all of these women who look like hers, because now she knows people who look like her are getting shot at, and she wants to keep Felix away from that danger, I think. Getting shot at or committing suicide. So, yeah, I mean, something weird is going on, and yeah, I mean, if I was Sarah, I wouldn't want Felix to be that level of worried, you know? Mm-hmm. So Felix has a couple of little storylines just by himself in this episode. They're related to Sarah, but it's, you know, just Felix and these guys. And, of course, we see Felix and Vic interacting, which I always find a combination of, of like, hilarious and strange. Because, <laughs> because there's clearly this animosity that Felix has toward toward Vic, and I think rightfully so. So he, he calls him out this episode for being abusive toward toward Sarah. But then Vic will have these moments where he's almost kind of funny, <laughs> like when he asks Felix for a hug before he leaves. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's so weird to me, those those moments, because Vic is, Vic is a jerk. And, you know, is, he's not a jerk. Come on, say it right. <laughs> Vic is a dick. There you go. And <laughs> I mean, we've seen him like physically assault Felix a few times. And so it, it's they're they're funny, but they're upsetting at the same time. Those moments where he's mm-hmm. you know asking Felix for a hug and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just like that's so messed up, Vic. It's 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 because it's interesting to me that even though we've seen Vic physically overpower Felix a couple of times, Felix remains more or less unafraid of Vic, and I find that very interesting about Felix. Mm-hmm. And perhaps speaks to Felix's familiarity with such things, possibly. Right. right. As no, sad as that makes me to think about. I, I think that's quite fair. I do really like, though, when Vic has left and Sarah's come into the loft and, and Felix thinks Sarah is Vic. I like when he comes out of, I think he was in the bathroom or someplace and says, Vic, I have a knife and I will stab you in the face. <laughs> I just really like the way that Felix threatens people. Yes. <laughs> Yo, Felix. Speaking of O Felix, he then hops on his painted bicycle, wearing his helmets with the fur lining on the back, and pedals <laughs> over to see Mrs. S. And how do you not love Felix's bicycle and bicycle helmet? I have no idea. I, I think there's something wrong with you if with you if you do not appreciate Felix's bicycle and bicycle helmet. It is weirdly charming, yes. Speaking of weirdly charming, oi oi, Mrs. S. <laughs> The first oi oi Mrs. S. Because if I'm not mistaken, I feel like he always greets her oi oi Mrs. S. Yes, and Mrs. S responds oi oi. <laughs> At least once she does, I believe, right? Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Kind of pointedly, <laughs> if I recall correctly. But most of what Mrs. S does in the first part of the series is pretty pointed. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. And Felix and Mrs. S have a very lovely little scene together in this episode that we saw Mrs. S from afar last episode, but we didn't get any 
dialogue with her. So this is really our big introduction to Mrs. S. And I quite enjoy the scene between her and Felix at the table drinking tea. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. S has that whole thing about um, how all this, all the stuff with Sarah was worth it. Talking about, you know, the police visits and whatever. And all how it was all worth it because Kira is a gift. And Felix says, and Sarah knows that. And then Mrs. S responds, no, she hasn't a clue. And of course, this is one of those things that you kind of miss it on the first run through because you don't know enough to, to go, aha, like I think we all did when we rewatched it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great line because it could just read, it, it reads perfectly when you're first watching it through that Mrs. S clearly doesn't think Sarah is a good parent. She doesn't recognize that she has a great daughter. So it works perfect on that level. But then you watch back through knowing that Mrs. S probably was aware of the fact that Sarah was a clone and suddenly it becomes <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> yes. And a clone among a bunch of other clones, none of whom can have children right. that we know of. Right. All the other clones that, well, I shouldn't say, but several of the other clones have, have confirmed that they could, they were infertile, but Sarah had a child. So Mrs. S would recognize that as special in a way that is different from just, oh, Kara's a really fantastic little girl. Right. And it is nice seeing Felix with Kara too. Because they are adorable. I love when he's brushing her hair back from her face. Yes. I also think that Jordan Caveras looks very handsome in the kitchen scenes. I like his hair that way, and I like the kind of maroon jumper that he's wearing. Sweater. Mm-hmm. I went British there for a second. Sweater that he's wearing. <laughs> I think people would know what you meant if you said jumper, right? I hope so. So those are our thoughts on this rewatch of Instinct. We would love to know sort of your insights into the episode on a rewatch on the first time. Please let us know. You can send us those thoughts in a variety of ways. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at TatianaIsEveryone.com. You can send us an email to feedback at TatianaIsEveryone.com, or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972 514 7223. And you can follow us on Twitter at TIE Podcast. And just a reminder that as, as of this recording, we are approximately eight weeks away from the premiere of season two. So, so yay, right? Which is why we're distracting ourselves with season one right now to make the weeks go by faster. And this week, both the shovel and the briefcase were played by Tatiana Masani. Thanks for listening. <laughs>